There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Midpoint with me, Gabby Logan. My guest today is known as the Queen of Taupe. She's an award-winning interior designer, entrepreneur, former dragon, the investing kind, not the fire-breathing type, and author. I can only be talking about Kelly Hoppen. Kelly's described as one of the most sought-after designers of her generation, and she counts the very rich and famous among her clients. But it all started when she was just 16 years old, and it seems her energy and passion have not waned in the five decades since. Fitness is also a big part of Kelly's life. I've heard her home gym is her favourite room in the house, which really is saying something if you've seen pictures of her beautiful home. So we're also going to be speaking to Olympic marathon runner and coach Steph Davis. Just three years after running her first ever marathon, Steph finished 39th in the Tokyo Olympics, so she knows how to help you achieve any running goals you may have this year, myself included. I'm under her tutelage. But first, let's meet Kelly. Kelly, great to have you on The Midpoint. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's been a kind of mad morning already, but yeah... <laughs> Same day, different things to deal with. <laughs> I'm glad you said it's been a mad morning because actually I feel like the energy in your life as someone who's into their 60s is not just commendable, but also I think covetable. Lots of people want to know how you still have the energy and desire and passion to do what you do. I said in your introduction that you've been doing this since the age of 16. Does the fire yeah. burn as brightly as it ever has? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I was thinking about it this morning because, you know, I do a lot of mentoring with people and, and, you know, I get up very early in the morning and I already did an hour's Pilates this morning. But I still have to talk to myself some mornings as I'm driving into the studio and do that kind of, come on, this is another day. I know you've got a lot of meetings or this is happening or that's happening. But for me now, as long as I'm healthy and my, and my family are healthy and all of those ducks are in a row, you couldn't wish for more. So I kind of try and visualize that thing that those are all the most important things in life. You can walk, you can talk, you, you know, everything's functioning. And therefore, you have to eat well, exercise, sleep well, laugh a lot. And then if you love your job, which I do, which obviously has its issues every single day because it's a massive company but I'm I suppose the, the older I've got the wiser I've become and I have that thing where I count to 10 before I answer something occasionally where I actually think about it rather than just blurt out something and I think if you can kind of compartmentalize how your brain works and how you deal with things it makes life a lot easier but in answer to your question, I am still very passionate about what I do. Yeah. Let's go back on that last part of your answer there, actually, about compartmentalizing. Was that something that you've evolved into? A 16-year-old Kelly Hoppen, was she compartmentalizing, you know, family, oh life, love, everything else? No, I was a tear away <laughs> at 16 and a half. Um, I think it sort of came probably around having a baby at 23 where you do have to compartmentalize because, you know, you've got a, a newborn and you're, you know, I took a year off work, but 
then you're going back to work and how do you balance that whole thing out? So I think it was probably around my 30s that I started to really work on that. And I've always been spiritual in that I've read a lot of books and you know, I'm not religious in any way, but I've I've always looked for things and find things. I don't go out of my way to to necessarily go and find a book, but I feel there's that whole thing where people pass you a book and you go, how do they know I needed that? It's kind of like it just happened. So I think everybody's on a journey every single day, every year of their life. And I think that we just have to be more open to that and not beat ourselves up. And I feel that Instagram... Uh, it's why I love doing podcasts because they're much more real that Instagram is just so fake in that it's brilliant to promote work but so many young people look at Instagram and then look at themselves and think why aren't I like that but it doesn't just happen overnight you know you you build your your life your friends your home your work your ethos your philosophies all of those things happen through mm. your journey of, of experiences and getting to a point, I guess, as well, where you can look back. I think the lovely thing about midlife is looking back and going, well, actually, I might have been wrong about that thing. And that didn't actually work out the way I wanted it to. But it's OK. You know, everybody survived. We moved on. We we grew from it. It's not a catastrophe. And sometimes in your 20s and 30s, things feel like it's the end. You know, there's those yeah. problems are insurmountable. The other thing of looking back is quite interesting is if you look back 10 years, say, where you might have been getting ready to go out or do something and you didn't have the confidence and you really beat yourself up on that day. If you go back and look at that picture, I bet you you'll look at it today thinking, wow, I look good. God, that was good. How did I do that? So I think we have this kind of distorted view of ourselves very often where on that day, we should have just gone with it and been positive about it because you'll look back on that day do you know what I mean? And think, wow, why did I give myself such a hard time? And I think the older you get, you do sort of get to that point with, no, this is me with all the flaws, the lines, everything that's happening. And that's me today. And if you can really get into a positive state of mind and go, I'm really going to enjoy today. Yes, they're going to be bumps. They are every day. Not, not every day is perfect by any means. But if you can try and get your mindset into that, you're going to have a much better life. Mm, and mindset is something, and you know, I hear myself saying it to my kids or other people, and it's such an easy thing to say, isn't yeah. it? And it's it's a much more difficult thing for a lot of people to achieve. What are your ways of navigating a positive mindset? How have you found yourself in the position where you can say that and believe it? And I believe when you say that, there's an authenticity yeah. to that. And as I said, today I had to really give myself a bit of a pep talk, you know, because I felt myself sort of not being in that right frame of mind because of various things. And so I think for me, it's about morning is really important for me. And my grandfather always used to say, if you can get up before anybody else, you'll get more done in that hour than any other time of the day. So, you know, John thinks I'm mad. I'm up before the, the birds in the morning, but I like to go and have my hot water and lemon. I have my, my shot of coffee. I do my sort of meditation, which is it's not really meditation, but it's just that moment of just acceptance and trying to get your mind into a good state of mind, which is means not going and looking at Instagram, at what everyone else has been doing, not putting the news on, which is always filled full of such negative information, but just being in that moment. And that's why I then like to go and train, because that is such a positive 
thing to do because it gets all your endorphins. Now that could be Pilates, it could be running, it could be weight training, it could just be stretching. And then you go and have your shower and get dressed and have your breakfast and go to work. For me, that kind of box in the morning is so integral. And I know that the days I don't train because I have to go to a very early morning meeting or something, I definitely feel different. Mm. I feel fuzzy in the head and not mm. as focused. Yeah, I think um, I think I I've always trained because I was you know I did gymnastics as a kid and exercise has always been an important part of my life. But it's definitely evolved into what it means. You know, I think in my twenties and thirties it was about looking for a gap in the middle of my thighs in that kind of really negative body image dys- dysmorphia kind of way. You know, where you go, yep. yeah, I'm not matching up to. It's so far away from that now. You know, it's so much mm. more about the whole being and the mental state and just feeling really good and energetic. And your energy is so, as I said at the very beginning, you know, so there to see because of running the business that you do, balancing blended families as well, which you seem to have done very well. We'll get on to that. But in terms of the actual work you do every day, a lot of people in midlife, sometimes they kind of want a career change. They want a gear change. You've just built and built and never it's never seemingly become boring. Do you know what I mean? The job that you do and the career that you have just got more and more interesting. How do you keep that fire going and look I mean, because I, design is so cutthroat people always want the yeah. new thing the next thing it is and it isn't I suppose one of the reasons that I've been successful is that I've kept my core philosophies and I haven't looked at design as always having the new thing because my my childhood my happiest times are with my grandparents in their home and I know that's where I got the love of doing what I do because it felt it still gives me shivers on my as I'm talking about it, it was the complete antithesis of what I do in design, but how I felt and the smell of it and crocheting with my grandmother and baking cakes with her or going around the garden and laying the table, that whole world is what I've tried to recreate for other people. So I take the cutthroat out of it. And often people will say, who do you think are great other designers? And I'm like, I never look really, I'm in my own bubble. So for me, it was never about jumping ship and doing something else. And I think a lot of people do that when they give up. And there's always another step you can take in the journey that you're doing. You just sometimes have to stand up straight, take a deep breath and realize that there is more. And I think a life coach told me years ago in New York, where I thought I'd reached the top of where I could get to. And he went, you haven't even there's so much more. Look at those skyscrapers out there. You're even, you've got all of that to still go. And once he kind of gave me that permission that the sky's the limit, if you like, and working with him, I realized actually you can always go further, but also it's, it's not staying in that bubble. It's, I always look at it like mind maps. What I do in a day is design a hotel or a yacht or a private home, or I'm designing a furniture range or a bottle for a perfume or a piece of clothing. Everything's different. And so you're constantly being challenged. And I think in answer to your question, if you're not challenged in what you're doing, you can't keep pushing yourself to be better. And so I think that that's really important if you're in a journey. If you look up the meaning of journey, it's a process, isn't it? You're going from one place to the next to the next. So I think you have to factor that in. And I think a lot of people today think, well, that didn't work, throw it away and start again. And I think that's where the mistake happens. Mm. 
because actually as you know it's true in life as sport the, the background I come from some of the best lessons are learned from what are perceived to be mistakes or yeah. defeats and actually that's where you're growing that's where a lot of your growth is you said something there that was really interesting about not looking at other designers and as we know comparison is the thief of joy and actually that's you've got to be in a really strong headspace as well haven't you to to not be looking around going oh but they're doing that and she's doing that oh gosh why did she get to design that hotel and I wanted to do that you know you've got loads and loads of work you've got interest work and actually being in your bubble as you put it is a positive thing for you to not yeah although sometimes I kind of think oh Kelly get out a bit more you know but I mean of course there are, you know Christian Yag is like for me the don in design and there are lots of amazing designers but I don't go out of my way to go and see what other people but you know when you're starting off in design yes I think it's important to see what people are doing but don't look at them with envy take envy out of your vocabulary it shouldn't exist ego shouldn't exist you know it's about finding your niche and I know that my profession is very hard you know because I look at uh, images people send me and I answer you know as many as I can to tell them what to do with it because people find it very difficult but it's the same in fashion you know I look at Rita Ora in the paper yesterday think god I love your style like how do you put that together and then you think can I do that you know we all have those moments where you look at somebody with with not envy but like um you know admiration, admiration. Hmm. you know and you can take from that and I think that's really important and I think that, you know, talking about the plus side of social media is there is so much help out there for people that is positive. And I think that you have to make sure that you're following that and not following something that is not making you feel good. If something, if you eat something and it makes you sick, you're never going to eat it again. So don't look at something that makes you sick. You know, it's, it's the same analogy. I think a, a nice segue there onto diet because um, your daughter, Natasha, is a well-known chef and uh, food influencer, if that's the right, especially she, she's been a kind of early adopter of plant-based food and kind of ahead of the curve, I think, your gang are when it comes to this, really, because there's a lot of plant-based influencers and chefs out there now. Was it her or you? Who, who led the way in the family when it came to... So she doesn't do it anymore. She's in property. But when she did, she was so ahead of her time. I, and, and I have such admiration for her. She could turn two courgettes into a five-star meal. And, I, you know, and I'm the complete opposite. But she was so... I, I've always been gluten intolerant. And her father was always this like heavy cream and butter chef. So she kind of sat in the middle and I think her journey was finding that balance. So she became vegan and I learned everything about alkaline food. And she still teaches me today. You know, she told me off the other day, what butter you have real butter. Why are you drinking out of that? Even though it says it's, it's completely green to get it out of a filth, you know, so she's still always ahead of me, but I always listen to her. And you know, her way of eating and the greens and the balance and everything really carved the way for me because I was so into my fitness. So all my food is balanced out with the macros and everything. And I don't really understand it, but it works. So I eat, you know, mainly fish, vegetables, good carbohydrate, good fats and everything else. But she paved the way for me and she made kale 
tasty, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's doing you well. I mean, you look you look amazing. We saw you on Thank the cover you. of Women's Fitness magazine, uh, oh, looking God. fantastic. And when they asked you to do that, what was your initial reaction? Oh, I was like a child. I mean, you know, I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And oh, you know, can I, do you think I'm going to look all right? You know, then you go through that whole thing. But yeah, I was really chuffed at the age of 63 to get on the cover of, of the magazine. And yeah, I mean, I work hard at keeping fit, but I, I read something that Davina McCall wrote the other day. She says now she, she keeps fit for her brain and her mind. And I so get that. I, you know, yes, I want to look trim and fit, but I'm also aware of the fact that my body is in the 60s and not in my 20s. So I don't go and look, for example, at videos of people jumping up and down and doing stuff in the gym that I know I physically can't do because of a back injury. But mentally, it's really important. So yeah, it, it was a it was a nice moment. I think, like me, you're a big fan of Pilates as well, amongst other things, aren't you? Um, has Pilates yeah. been, a, been a been a forever for you, or is it something you kind of discovered in the last ten years or so? Well, no, I bought my Pilates machine probably thirty five years ago, and then it kind of went into storage, and it came out a year ago, and I'm obsessed with it again because it's so brilliant. It's such a great, but not to do every single day, but at the moment I'm doing it like three mornings a week. I love the way it feels and lengthens the spine and yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing for, for posture, for strength in your core, the back and the front, obviously. And I think also it just, it gives you a strength that, that is different to doing weights. So weights are important and lifting and, you know, strength and conditioning is important in midlife. But I think Pilates, it's so good for not aching, not hurting. Yeah. Not... Do you do the reformer? I do both, actually. I do a lot of mat Pilates, but I also go well, at least once a week to a reformer class. I haven't got my own reformer at home, but I really like mat Pilates as well. You can do so much with ankle weights. I should and try that. I haven't and, done yeah, that, actually. It's, um, yeah. it's really good. Um, but I think I'm starting to do a lot more running at the moment because I'm going to do a marathon and the thing I was nervous about because I haven't done a lot of running for a few years was is my body going to be able to do the, this amount of running and actually I think the Pilates is really helping to keep the body aligned. But you're a natural runner aren't you? I'm I would not. say not. I would say oh, not. Really? No, I um, I hadn't done a half marathon for about 20 years. And when I first started running again, I couldn't coordinate myself. I felt this is not, I don't feel right. This is so, and this feels like a good time actually to bring in Steph Davis because she's our expert today. And uh, she's a, an international athlete, but she's now part of the team at the Runner Coach app. And she teaches people uh, how to get through challenges and helps them with their running. She's a, a great coach. So Steph, thank you for coming on the Midpoint. Hi there. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, it, uh, it certainly seemed like a, a perfect segue because actually what I was just saying was so true. I really, when I started again, I thought, oh God, maybe I'm too old to run now. And um, I, I put a plea for help, Kelly, on my Instagram saying, <laughs> I can't run anymore. And the running community came in and kind of enveloped me, put its arms around me and said, no, you can, don't stop this, don't, you know. And it, the runner app kept coming up, coming up, the runner coach. And uh, Steph and her team there help people like me, a lot of people through the app to, to start running again. Is it a common thing that you find, Steph, that people of kind of my age, I'm 50, um, who haven't run for a while, are a little bit nervous about being injured. They're not quite sure how to get going again. Do you see a lot of that? Yeah, we definitely see a lot of that. I think whether it's you're completely new to running or you've had a lot of time away from running, there definitely is that nervousness coming back of, am I going to stay in one piece? Am I robust enough? Can I do this? But I think if you have a plan that you can follow, then it's 
it holds you not only accountable, but it just builds you at a really safe and gradual rate. And that is like the key thing with getting into running or even sometimes even at my level, you have to kind of rein yourself in a bit as well and stay in your in your limits because it's just when you get too carried away, that's when you're more likely to get injured. But I think if you're new to running as well, like what you were saying there was really interesting that you've you've been into your Pilates and strength and conditioning. So you've had that background. So that's going to also help with starting running again because you'll have that strong foundation. So someone who maybe isn't as active, doesn't do other sports, they should probably take like a slower approach getting into running and just be mindful that their body needs to like take the time to get conditioned and implement kind of strength and conditioning, Pilates, mobility work to help stay that bit more robust um, because running is such a high impact sport and everyone has their own levels of what they can tolerate. So it's just important that you always take it slowly, gradually. That's why following a plan is so great because it will, especially a personalized plan like we do with the Runner app, you can tell it about you and it will make sure that you're training at like a safe and appropriate rate. And I can tell you as well, For I'm only two weeks into my half marathon plan, but I did a pre-plan before that and to get into shape again to run. And the progress is so satisfying because I'm sticking to the plan. And so this morning I had an interval session to do and I came back and I was like, oh, I'm actually getting quicker. I'm at, this is actually working, you know, because I, I feel better and I don't, my recovery is quicker. Um, and being accountable to the plan as well. Like I feel like if I don't, because it's a link to a watch, if I don't see that tick, you know, on the day that I've set to do it as well, I feel like I've, I'm letting this team down. Me, the watch and the app are kind of, you know, we're a team together. And I don't necessarily want a human alongside me telling me, you know, run faster, run slower. But it, it feels like I'm making progress. The other thing which I've been delighted, Kelly, is that those runner endorphins, which I remember from my 30s, are kind of like coming back. And I get I get I always get a kind of exercise high when I exercise, but running's slightly different. There's a there's a real kind of energy because you feel your lungs really working. So that has been a bit of a am I selling this to you, Kelly? Am I selling running? Yeah, no. I mean, the thing for me is that I've learned in the last year about mobility and stretching, which was something that I hadn't done a lot of over the years. And because of an injury that I've got, it's really, really helping me a lot. So potentially once I get to a point where that is completely better, I'll start maybe doing some running when the spring comes in the summer. But do you not get out of breath, though? Yeah, but I think because you're working within the the plan, is, is I'm working on speed per kilometre, so I'm trying to stick to what they're telling me to do, even though I, I tend to always go a bit quicker. Um, <laughs> and I love that feeling of just getting to your, your heart rate you know, up enough that you're getting a bit breathless, but not to the point where you, you know, you can't speak most of the time, unless you're doing intervals where you're supposed to be running a bit quicker. So I went out on a, a run on Saturday morning with a friend who runs a bit and we managed to talk pretty much the whole oh way round. I couldn't do that. And um, <laughs> she's looking at selling her business this year. We were talking about her going into, you know, it was quite proper conversation. It wasn't like we were just going, how are the kids? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, at the end of it, I thought, wow, I feel, I feel great. I've done my run and I've really caught up well with my friend and had a nice chat and, uh, you know, been out for like 45 minutes or so. And had all, I mean, my husband's taking the mickey out of me because um, he's, oh, she's in from her run. She's going to tell us how amazing she feels. And <laughs> <laughs> I am becoming a bit of a running bore. But um, Steph, in terms of age, is there any kind of limit, do you think, to people actually starting their journey, their kind of getting off the couch journey? 
No, absolutely not. I don't think there is a limit at all. And I think if you're new to running, regardless of what your age is, it's more your sporting background is probably more relevant into how you progress into your training. If you're used to doing like a team sport or strength work, then you can probably progress that a little bit quicker. Whereas if you're a complete novice and you haven't done much sport, that's not maybe your thing, but you're taking on a new challenge, then it's just being mindful of taking it at that slow rate. And what we'd typically recommend for I mean, anyone that's really new to running is to start off using kind of a walk run approach if you've never run before. And that's where you would have in between your run a series of walking intervals. And over time, the number of walking intervals would reduce and the running time would increase and that would build up to a continuous run. And just by adding those walking intervals, it just reduces that impact that you're putting through your body. You can build it up slowly over time, allow your body to adapt to it and then get stronger so that you're able to cope with those those longer runs or those continuous runs. They yeah. don't have to be long. Nutrition's interesting as well because I've not found myself really feeling like I need to eat loads more. And I haven't found myself thinking, oh, I'm running, so I therefore I need more of this at the moment anyway. Do you give advice on that? Yeah, definitely. And that's actually one thing that is really important to stay on top of in order to avoid injuries. And that's our body needs the fueling to to do the run, to recover from the run. I would always advise my clients not to go out on a run, especially a harder session. Don't do it fasted because in the morning our cortisol levels are at their highest. And if you go out and run, that's another stressor. So your body's needing more energy to cope with that demand. So you really should be fueling before you do those sessions. And then same when you get in, make sure you're having, whether it's another breakfast or a protein carbohydrate snack, a, a drink, a smoothie, to really replenish and especially if you're training for a half marathon Gabby your long runs and your sessions are going to get longer so that's where you need to be like more mindful of okay. getting that fuel in and staying robust a bit like Kelly I'll have a maybe some water and lemon and then maybe a, a shot of coffee before I train that's my kind of and then breakfast after that tends to be yeah I can't eat and run around you know I find so, it really hard but yeah. you but there are times if I do go and do that I would have a protein shake very early mm. so at least I've got something yeah mm. or a banana like even half a banana yeah. like something is better than nothing yeah I was doing a cycling challenge last year which involved hours and hours on the bike and I would have I'd make some kind of overnight oats with Ooh, um, seeds and stuff and that was easy to digest in the morning because that's the other thing isn't it you don't want something that's going to mm. feel like it's sloshing around inside you so maybe I need to get back to making those you want pre- to as well like practice what you're going to do on race day so right. your stomach is so used to consuming whatever you decide works for you and and test that out so it doesn't come to race day and you're trying something new and then actually find you've got an upset stomach and you're like damn I should have tried this training race day you're making me so nervous now race day I was I was nervous before my longest run last week before I set out and I thought my god if these are my nerves on a little run around my village what am I going to feel like when I'm setting out on the 7th of April to do London landmarks you have to visualize I know yeah that's what I was trying to I was thinking right it's race day we're okay we're all good here but it's just a different feeling I mean every year I present the London marathon for the BBC and I get more nerves I think than half looking at these athletes about to go out I feel sick in my stomach for them thinking you've got 26 miles to run so it's um yeah it's containing those nerves because nerves take so much energy out of you Steph don't they how do you do that as an elite athlete yeah they do they do take a lot of energy but I think I I channel them into positive energy and see that as almost like fuel for my run and when you when you get to race day it'll be totally different than when you're doing your training session because the crowds and the atmosphere is a really good external distraction it's something that you can especially when you're doing London landmarks like that's a big event so you'll have that buzz 
of the crowds and the atmosphere to keep you going. But it is like what you were saying as well, like practicing that mindset and training because for me sometimes and for clients I coach, it's that anxiety sometimes they get around training and especially when you like have paces you want to hit and you're maybe feeling a bit off and not every day is going to be a good day. We're only humans. It's going to feel tough sometimes. And it's trying to be positive and still work hard on those days where you're just not hitting your times, but just focusing on the effort it still counts banking the session and I think the more you can practice working through any kind of like negative thoughts that are coming into your head during training then it will really set you up well on the race because it's going to probably happen at race day at some point where your mind's like this is hard can you even do it can you even do it and it's quieting that mind but what I've learned with a lot of my races and training sessions is like emotions they come and go so quickly sometimes and I think when you're in a bad patch it's like just try and use other things around you and know that you you will come out of it they do pass for me using music always used to help on runs like my favorite sounds because then my imagination would run and I would be designing or somewhere you know yeah music I've in the past run to music for some reason I've decided on this one that I'm just going to run without headphones because I thought I'd be doing more running with my daughter my daughter's 18 and she said she wanted to do it with me but (laughs) so far her runs have gone at different she likes to run later in the day and I like to get my stuff done early so so we're not actually doing much training together at the moment so um I'm I'm kind of with my own thoughts but yeah there are certain tracks aren't there that just send you into if you feel like you're suddenly running twice as quick but on race day itself Mm. I don't want to have music in I want to kind of hear the noise and you know the sound I've envisaged it to be the most perfect weather as well it's going to be about 15 degrees sunny London's <laughs> going to look amazing I'll probably be hammering it down with rain and two degrees but um, I can only wish for it uh, Steph thank you so much I'm so enjoying the app at the moment I thoroughly recommend people giving it a go because it's a friend that kind of is with you and keeping you accountable what's your final tip Steph for anybody who is at the moment thinking about putting the running shoes back on yeah, go for it. But when you start, just focus on yourself, your own process. I mean, we touched on, you guys touched on earlier about social media is great, but it's also quite dangerous for thinking that you need to do more. When you need to find your limit, stick to that, ignore the external noise and just focus on your own progress. Brilliant. Thank you. Best of luck with, with your training too, Thank you. Steph. Thank you so nice much. Nice to meet you. You too. Bye. Bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com family we talked a little bit or we touched on it earlier on the balance of your life having the successful career that's gone from strength to strength and touched many different areas and you know you've been through a couple of marriages and relationships that have been kind of high profile as well 
as well as balancing stepchildren and you know your child and all of that. And that seems to me when I read about you to be one of your greatest achievements personally. I feel I feel like you take almost as much pride from that as you would any of yeah. your professionals. That's what my mother always says. She says I'm most proud of the way you've been a stepmother and a mother. But I guess Ed and I just it all happened and we suddenly had this extended family with three girls with very you know small gaps between them and it all seemed like the perfect sleepover until all the cracks became you know this one was jealous of that one and whatever but we really really worked hard at it and we were together for 16 years and they are still the best of friends the three girls they are my stepchildren till the day I die. You know, when I read in the paper, you know, the former stepmother, it just, oh, you know, I love them. They are just the best. But it took time to make that good. And I'm very close to Joe, Sienna and Savannah's mother. Um, and in fact, the children came to live with us because Joe had breast cancer. And she always says to me, I'll never forget how you stepped in for me, you know, so there was a, an incredible bond between us from, from day one. And now I'm in a relationship where my partner has three children. And I also have a grandchild who is the king. And then I've got five step grandchildren. And, you know, my brother has got four daughters and three grandchildren, and it just gets bigger and bigger. But it also gets more and more difficult to get everyone together. And actually, literally before Christmas, it took nearly four months with Daisy and I, my niece, to get the whole family together for one weekend prior to Christmas because everyone was going in different directions. And it was heaven. And all we wanted was one picture with my mother, with all her grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And everybody, it was noise and all the rest of it. But for me, family is so important and you know, I sort of laugh sometimes when, you know, Tash is like, I'm juggling work and picking Rudy up and I hear Sienna and Savannah saying the same. And I think I, I used to do that, you know, like nothing's changed. I just think WhatsApp groups have come into play, which <laughs> make it way more difficult for mothers today. But you've got to find that balance. And I think women are really good at that. We're really, really good at, at balancing work and Do you think kids to, to our detriment cooking. sometimes? Do you think it's to our detriment that because then no, we're almost too I capable? Think, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and there are guys who are brilliant as well. But I just think that we do it. It's part of our, our, it's part of our makeup. And I don't think we necessarily, I wouldn't want to have lost control over that. No. I enjoyed that. And, and I sort of miss it, you know, as your families grow older and move away, that's when the grandchildren come into play because then you can sneak back in a little bit. What but about the gap? What about the period where there was a bit of an empty nest? How did you cope with that? Um, there were moments that were hard, you know. I think as any woman that's got a heart would feel that. But I just put my, that's when I put my focus like boom into the business and it went boom, 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 like that. So I had something, but if you don't have something, and I also think it's very important that you never give up work. You know, when people say, Kelly, you're going to retire. And I'm like, no, I want my mind to be active and on it the whole time. My mother's got the onset of dementia and she was one of the most extraordinary businesswomen of all times. And she sold her business and COVID happened and it was disaster. So, you know, that's really made me think again now, like never put your mind to bed. Do you see a link between her not having yeah. the daily business interest? Yeah, 100%. Mm. 
100%, but it's too late now. Mm. But, you know, and COVID didn't help because none of us really noticed it. And so it probably was happening before. But as a woman that ran, ran a business like mine internationally around the world, and then one day just didn't have it. I think, you know, if you find something and it's a passion, continue to do it. Even if you're looking after your, your daughter and son's kids and, you, you know, you're helping them have something else in your life that stimulates your brain. Because I think we're living longer. We're having babies later. I was 23. I mean, when I look at a 23-year-old today and I think, how, why, what, how? You know, whereas people are having babies in their 40s. So we're living into our 90s. And that's why I think there's this increase in people with dementia and Alzheimer's, because I don't think people lived. No, we're just we're that. just living longer. And it's inevitable that those things will yeah. deteriorate. And we just so in terms of, it, yeah. of exercise, health, what we eat, what we learn, what you know, that's where I love social media, because you can learn all of these things. And I think it's important to to, you know, have a checklist every year, like like a car, go in for your 5,000 mile service, check it all, make sure it's good and working um, and hold on to it. Yeah. And uh, we got into talking to Steph about running because we, we came off the back of chatting about you looking great on the cover of Women's Fitness magazine. Um, I think one of your mantras or one of your passions is that we shouldn't be looking at people and saying, oh, they look good for their age. You know, you just look good and you're healthy and you're well. And I think there is a there is a definitely a shift in conversation, certainly about midlife in terms of the openness of people talking about the menopause, for example, and how that affects women. But this conversation has only really been kind of four or five years. We, you have come through that. When you were starting those symptoms, was it a conversation that was, it doesn't, I don't remember it being Totally out taboo. There. I yeah. mean, it's interesting because it's something that I'm sorting at the moment. But first of all, when L'Oreal asked me to do that campaign about you look good for your age crossed out, I was like, First of all, yes, I can say I'm worth it, you know, kind of a girl's dream. But secondly, what a great campaign. And, you know, your other question about the menopause, I, of course, went through it and had the hot sweats and didn't feel myself and all the rest of it. And I was told to go and meet with a, a doctor to go on bioidentical HRT, which I did for years and years and years. And I've managed to maintain it. And it's been a godsend. But then when I had breast cancer, was it last year? I can't even remember. And I was very lucky. It was very early diagnosed and I didn't have to have chemo or anything. You know, there's that conversation of whether I should stay on estrogen or not. And they spoke to my oncologist and they went, you know, without it, you're not going to function. And, it, you know, you've got a chance of having it come back with or without. And so it's something that I'm learning about. And I've even started looking at foods that could raise your estrogen. Um, I take uh, something called flow brew, which is a mushroom, but the lion's mane in that can help people that can't be on HRT because it improves. You know. So I'm constantly learning about all of this and Davina and Lisa Snowden and all these amazing women who have kind of brought it to the forefront. Because in those days, when people asked me to talk about it, I was like, no, mm. you know, it was just such well, that's a what I, I, Well, that's what I was thinking. I bet when it was happening to you, it was almost like people didn't want to talk about it because there was a fear that this is oh, it's going to make me look old, you know, even though it yeah. didn't change the way, you, you know, people perceived you as being this mm. vibrant and vital, full of, full of energy person. I'm 
And I, you know, I, I think my mum's kind of, she's early 70s. And I think her generation, she's a little bit kind of, oh, why do you, why are you guys all talking about it? She's a little yeah. bit like that. But I said, because actually, you know, we want women like us to it live helps. their best lives and not have to mm. kind of like hide away. And if their symptoms are terrible and, you know, which a lot of women, as we know, do suffer more than, than others. So are you happy that this conversation for your daughters, for your stepdaughters, that this conversation is, is out there more? Yeah, 100%. And I just hope and pray like you know when you see how much is how much good has come out of so much since my when I was that age I'm just praying and hoping that as my children and stepchildren and everyone else's children grow older there are going to be better things for them it's got to get better do you know what I mean the fact that we can regulate how we feel now and there are cures for cancer and there are such incredible things that are available. I'm just hoping that in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, that it's going to be easier. And I think that everything is talked about now. And I, I realize now that I had to keep it all in and that wasn't healthy. And that was kind of like finding your bravado and like, yeah, no, of course I'm okay. And like, you know, whereas I've never lied about my age and, but, but in a way I kind of was because I wasn't, do you know what I mean? So it's only now that it's so open. And I think men are learning about it. And, you know, it's always been a joke, hasn't it, about women and the menopause and everything. But actually, guys, get a grip. Like, you need to learn about this and understand it. And this is not just having PMT, you know, oh, she's having a period this week, you know, I'll stay away. This is something women have to live with daily. Mm. And it can be absolutely devastating. I think also, I, I know from my own personal experience with my husband, who really did want to understand what was going on, it made him look at his own health and he thought he was really healthy and found out that he had prostate cancer because he went for he decided to go for wellness checks because I was going to see a, a doctor of female health so I think men looking at their own health journey as well is really important as well as understanding what's going on with the women in their life so uh, so we find you now in your early 60s with business thriving and life seemingly you know with its usual spinning plates and ups and downs as you pointed out but it seems really good and relationship wise do you feel like all the, the relationships that you've had, which have all had their wonderful moments, I'm sure, do you feel like you've yeah. learned a lot about being with somebody as yeah. well? Yeah, I mean, I've been really lucky. You know, I was married with Ed for 16 years and it didn't work out because of the religious cult he went to follow. And then I had a kind of crazy few years. Of course, everyone knew about it. And I'm now with an extraordinary man and we've just reached 13 years. We just realized it was our anniversary a couple of days ago because we met at Lisa Snowden. So whenever it's her birthday, I go, oh, my God, it's, our, you know, um, and it just works. And he's magical and he's, you know, my yin and I'm his yang and vice versa. And we're from two totally different worlds, but it works. And, yeah, you learn, don't you? You learn through your mistakes, but we're very settled and and very happy. Yeah, it's lovely. That's fantastic because I think, um, you know, a lot of people go through breakups in their kind of, you know, that when their children fly the nest, it seems to be that period where they look at each other and they're not quite sure why they're together anymore and can't imagine, you know, being in other relationships. So you're you're a bit of a poster girl, I think, for for, <laughs> for finding that, you know, that longer term partner again. I've never been called that, <laughs> that before. <laughs> I'll take that one. <laughs> um, and so challenges professionally, are there anything, is there anything out there? You know, you dabbled with, you know, maybe mainstream TV with Dragon's Den. I'm sure you've been asked to be involved in lots of other projects when it comes to TV yeah. and media. I mean, look, I love doing all of that, but it's it's all about time. 
Uh, I love Dragon's Den. I watch it fiercely and Shark Tank and all of that because I'm sort of a designer, but an entrepreneurial mind. So I like both. But there are challenges in business and especially since COVID, you know, and the world is so up and down. So running a business today is very different to what it was 30 years ago where you came in, you designed and you got paid. Now you're running a business and you're working out and watching the news and being involved in every aspect because I have so many people working for me. You have to continue paying and running a business. So you're it's a Rubik cube. But I sort of quite enjoy that side of it, even though I moan about it. But I dabble in so many different things every day. And it, I just can't not come in. I love it. You know, I like I like the conversation, the banter, the people, you know, pizza Fridays, <laughs> you know, all of that. <laughs> and, and I imagine as well, working with different age groups, I think that's really important. You've probably got some very young people who are working yeah. in your Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I mean, I've got some people that have worked for me for over 20 years that are still here and that's great. But yeah, I love having all different ages from 20 probably 22 upwards. And then we get young people that come in and do work experience, which I love as well. And I like that, you know, I love learning from people. I like them to grow within the company. We have a sort of mantra that I prefer people to grow into the next phase rather than employing people for that post. And it's worked really well in the company. So yeah, it's, it's good to have all different, our, our company is so diverse. We have people from all over the world and always have. And I think it's great, different cultures, different religions, you know, and, and I love that about my business and, and how it just works and everybody's friends outside of school. Your projects are so high end and so glamorous, so you might not kind of have these tips to hand. But um, we were talking the other day, a friend and I, we were staying in a hotel in Marrakesh and we were talking about big lights, as we call them, as opposed to lamps and just how, how simple it is to create a mood in a room by not having the big light on. Um, I think it was a Peter Kay sketch that was about the big light and having la- low level lighting. What are your, if anybody's listening to thinking, oh, I really need to, I'm looking around their room as they're listening to this thinking, There's some, I need to do something. What are the easy wins for you when you walk into a yeah. and you want to make a change there are lots you know I go on this morning and I love helping people in their homes and stuff but what the big light as you put it I've never heard that but I love it I'm going to say that now just never have overhead lights on unless you've got something which is a big shade or something and it's over a coffee table or a, a dining dining table is always good to have a, a light over because it kind of in, encases people around a table it makes it very inviting Low level lights, if you can't rip things out, you can get up lighters and you can hide them behind plants or sofas or whatever. And the other thing I always say to people is move the furniture around, just go nuts and change everything and try and see if it works. And you're looking at something that's different. We're we're very habit forming. Once we put something there, it never moves. But actually, my partner always laughs and I go, I'm thinking about that room there if I do he's, and he goes to me but why and I go because I can but he goes but why would you want to do that I said because it might feel better same way as with your clothing you change things up you wear a pair of sneakers with a pair of trousers and instead of a high pair of shoes you can change the look of your home quite easily cushions are really good to do throws are good uh, they can change the look of a sofa or a chair uh, lamps change your accessories it's the things that you can move, 
But if you take every single accessory off every single counter and move them around and redisplay them, it can really change the look of a room. Very simply and inexpensively as well. So, yeah. Thank you. I'm sure as we're talking there, I can imagine people <laughs> scuttling around. My, Running around. my husband used to live with, um, when he first started uh, playing rugby for Wasps, he was living in the flat with a, a rugby player called Simon Shaw, who had one of those big loft apartments. And he used to come in from a night out, Kenny, and he thought he was in the wrong apartment every night because Shazzy <laughs> loved to move <laughs> a, d- a dining table or a sofa. Um, it was his thing. Um, so, yeah, I think when, when you're six foot eight, though, you can move sofa quite easily so um, (laughs) Kelly it's been a joy to chat to you I'm sure you've got to go off and and speak to um, somebody very important about a project somewhere in the world so I will free you to go and do your design and your great work and uh, have a wonderful day and you and thank you so much and good luck with the running (laughs) thank you yeah I'll I'll keep talking about it A lot to take there from my chat with Kelly, and she really does seem to have a great handle on what makes her feel fulfilled and happy. And it's interesting actually speaking to a woman who's in her early 60s. So a lot of our guests are in their late 40s and early 50s and seeing her come right through that period of life and being in such a good place, which I think is down to mindset, isn't it? That's so important. And learning all the things that enable you to be your best, which can happen at any time in life. And for Kelly, that's the morning exercise as well. I agree with her on that one. And all of that, I think, is amounting to the joys of getting older. And speaking of exercise, big thanks to Olympian Steph. Davis as well. Do get in touch and let me know whether you've been inspired to give running or any kind of movement a go. Do share your stories. I'm at Gabby Logan on Instagram. And a big thanks as always for keeping me company today and to Spiritland Creative for putting this episode together. Same time next week. Okay, I'll catch you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.